in Vegas and Los Angeles. I'm popping bottles and buttons. Just like Jen Shaw and Teresa Giudice, I'm a Bravo con. Oh my God. We're just staring deeply into each other's eyes. I just realized we're not going to, no, I can't even say that. Knock on um, beautiful leather couch chair I could never afford. We're not going to have to have like Zoom issues in this recording because we're recording IRL. I know. I love it. I'm not going to have to spend like eight hours (laughs) uploading a file to send to you. (laughs) And then spoiler alert, every time I do a Zoom recording and also IRL, I'm, I'm perpetually five to seven minutes late. So it's like, I'll sit down maybe around the same time, but you're not going to get a word out of me until I like situate myself in the coffee. So this, we're like essentially running on time today, which I is mean, a miracle. For the two of us, absolutely. <laughs> it reminds me of the first time we recorded in my empty apartment uh, in New York City. Yes, years ago. I know. Hopefully these accommodations are a little bit more... Uh, well, I don't even want to say luxurious because well, it was like literally us on the floor. <laughs> I have to say this is a little window into my soul that I walked into this guest's beautifully appointed home who I will introduce shortly and I started to swear. And I think I might have told you to go fuck yourself because it's so pretty. And I my reaction to that is like, literally, how dare you? How dare I not live here? It's a problem. I mean, how dare I not live here? <laughs> And it's my damn house. (laughs) Well, I have to say, you guys, there is a little bit of an echo in audio for this episode because we were recording in Los Angeles where there is literally nothing but room. But I also think there could be a little bit of an echo into how we share our thoughts on this weekend and more. So let me introduce... Did that make sense grammatically? Just pretend it did. Just pretend it did. Just pretend it did. did. Okay, great. I am so excited to welcome back to Andy's Girls, founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives, a fellow dame, a president to whom I can't words today, Dame Brian Moylan. Help me help myself. I'm here. I'm back. It was so good to see you. Did I see? I saw you last year at BravoCon, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been all three years, but I don't remember if we interacted. I feel like we we at least say hi. But other than that, because I live in England, I don't get to see anybody. So it was so nice to be (sighs) with all of my fellow Bravo professionals (laughs) and run into them and say hi and talk shit. And yeah. So how are you feeling post BravoCon? And define that in any way you would like. Oh, my God. I was destroyed physically, mentally and emotionally by BravoCon. (laughs) Um, so after four days of BravoCon and I went out Saturday night, I went out a little bit on Sunday night and then I went to bed at like two on Sunday night and then oh I God. had to wake up at six to get my flight, uh, which Pavit was on and, um, eating a sandwich. Uh, I did not see him eat a sandwich, wow. but he was in biz and I was in the back of the plane. So yeah and um so girl those mileage points work (laughs) follow pavit for more recommendations we really need to i think in all the ways that count so we're recording this in los angeles where i have um fled from nevada in order to really cleanse myself and have a new beginning the best kind of new beginning is one that um, takes place in la and so you know, we're just right off the heels of BravoCon. Where does 2023 rank in BravoCon's 2019, 2022, and this year? I am going to say that it is the 
convention was the best I think we've had so far. I mm-hmm. mean, they figured out a lot of the bullshit about like the photo ops mm-hmm. and, and the long lines and people having to wait in line to get into panels and people not getting into panels and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that the experience of attending was much smoother and better mm-hmm. for me personally. Um, I wish it weren't in Las Vegas and yeah. like the Las Vegas of it, especially this weekend in Las Vegas, where it's right before Formula One, all these roads were closed, traffic was terrible, it took forever to get anywhere. It took forever to get a cab. And so like on Friday night, I went to the taping of the Bravos, which was amazing. And I had a great mm-hmm. time. But then we were at the Paris Hotel and it finished around 11. And I was thinking about going to have a drink, but it took me an hour and a half to get a cab. So we were waiting an hour and a half in a line with mostly Bravo fans who were mostly wearing heels and they're just complaining about it. And it was lovely to like meet the fans and talk to people. I made so many friends in taxi lines, which was great. But I would have preferred not to be standing in taxi lines. And they knew that Formula One was that month when they made the plan, right? There's no way they couldn't have. I guess so. Um, And it's like a 10-year contract, so I guess it's going to keep happening. But yeah, I also don't love Bravo. And what I... Oh my God, I love Bravo. Oh, what am I talking about? Literal breaking news. Breaking news. I don't love... A dark episode. I mean, I quit. Bravo. (laughs) Bethany, here's my number. No. (laughs) Um, The thing about New York is you can go to New York and you can go to BravoCon. And then at night... It's like you can do all New York has to offer or you can go to like a quiet eatery in the West Village with your friends Mm. and like opt out of the craziness. Yeah. You cannot opt out of Vegas. Right. Like you are trapped there and you have to do Vegas. And I don't I didn't particularly care for that. But I mean, the fans seem to be in a much better place this year. Mentally. Yeah. Like everybody seems to be having a really good time. And I think because of the there were fewer lines and fewer snaps foos like everyone was just in a better mood and they could focus on what they love which is you know being amongst the fans being amongst the bravo lebs like all that kind of stuff so i would rank it number one i would say but i also miss like some of of the chaos where Mm -hmm. last year like the lines in for the ladies room were so long that like larsa pippen had to wait in one and you know, it and, was that bad, you guys. Yeah. And then Larsa is like waiting in line or Amanda walked into the bathroom barefoot and Robin and Giselle saw her and then talked about it and it became a thing. So like some of that I miss a little bit, but I am willing to trade all that for the convention being just super, super smooth. What did you think? I mean, I thought it was much more disciplined than last year. Yeah. And I was very nervous. I think some of the hesitation about like making the financial investment in traveling there. Yeah. Um was based in concern that I was going to show up to a 2022 experience. Yeah. And I just don't know that that is worth the cost of thousands of dollars in air fl- in, in airfare and, you know, the hotel alone. And I was so thankful and pleasantly surprised that I actually had the opportunity to enjoy BravoCon and to enjoy the people who we are, were around, which be, was a little bit difficult last year, just specific to like the Beverly Hills panel, for example, where yes. people were being incredibly rude and obnoxious and disrespectful and regardless of you know that panel and some other aspects being poorly organized like just the way that people were talking and you know planking on chairs and stuff made me 
uncomfortable to be connected to that energy because I just it was seeing people at their worst. It felt like it could turn into a riot at any moment. I mean, that was the joke is that the BH panel was a little fire fest. And while it wasn't that bad, it just wasn't great. And that unfortunately colored some of my experiences after because it just I just felt kind of like. I just felt like there was no place for me at that. I just didn't. I I left 2022 just feeling kind of weird. Yeah. And and I say that noting that there were also like great moments. And this year I felt like, okay, it's more of a coming home. Yeah. It really is. No. It felt like that. I, I absolutely agree with all of that. And I also love that. We started to see like Amy Phillips did a weekend of shows. Danny Danny Pellegrino did a book signing like other people. John Hill did a show. Exactly. Like we're starting to see like things that were Bravo related where it's like, okay, I don't want to spend $250 to see Watch What Happened Live taping, but I will spend $50 to go see Amy Phillips. And, you know, and so I think that that kind of stuff was great. And also I was shocked at the number of people who got hotel rooms and plane tickets when they announced it and then didn't get tickets and still showed up. I spoke to so many people who were like, I couldn't get tickets, but I'm still here. And I honestly thought that was really smart because there was so much going on outside of the convention that you could still enjoy the BravoCon experience and not be at panels. Yes. Um, Speaking of panels, so I think for many people, the most anticipated panel was Summer House because it was the first time that Lindsay and Carl would be on stage. Yes. You moderated, I think, the most anticipated panel at BravoCon. How were you feeling going into it? And how did it sort of deliver for you? How did it perform? What Was there a difference in expectation versus execution? So it's funny because when they were, when they asked me to be a moderator, it was the summer. And I was like, um, and, and last year I moderated and I had one of those panels where it's, you know, an amalgam of different Bravo Labs. So it was like below deck, million dollar listing. Lindsay was on it. Like Shep was on it. You know, people like that. Yeah. And so I, this time I I asked for one. I said, oh, can I do Summer House? Because I figured it's like low stakes. I've probably talked the least shit about the Summer House people mm. than anybody else. You know, most of them I like. And, you know, I recap the show. And so they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, great, low stress, easy, whatever. Then Carl breaks up with Lindsay and suddenly I have the, you know, high profile uh, panel to do. But I mean, I think it went really well. The the um, Vanderpump Rules panel was right before it and people were booing Sandoval, everything he said. And I was really nervous that Carl was going to get the same kind of treatment. And I think that the BravoCon producers were as well. And, you know, so I really made effort to be like, guys, like, let's be nice. Let's not ask country questions, whatever. And so I think that that made it really cool and civil. And we obviously talked about it right at the start, because I know that's what people want to talk about. But then after we talked about it, I just tried to keep it fun and get back into the show and like remind people that, you know, as Kyle says, summer should be fun. So, yeah. What was the energy like backstage with the cast? 
Carl and Lindsay were both visibly nervous. Yeah. And I kind of went up to both of them and said, especially Carl, and I said, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. And because I didn't want him, you know, it's like very hard what both of them are doing here. And like, you know, and they're doing it for our entertainment and I am sympathetic to that. Uh, So yeah, they were both really nervous as for the rest i didn't talk to anyone else before because i kind of showed up and then mm-hmm. we were like right out there on stage so the first time i saw kyle was when we hugged on stage oh my and i god, said you're kyle kidding. i love you and was he aware of the love oh my god he was totally aware of the love i had interviewed him for something silly for the newspaper or for the newsletter like a year ago and you know he was like oh yeah don't worry i know it's a good fun like we love your recaps and you're the funniest whatever so like i knew it was good but that was over zoom so this was the first time we met like in person he gave me a big hug and he's so handsome so can we circle back to the and shout out to handsome um kyle but can we circle back to the carl and Lindsay of it all because I was watching Carl throughout the weekend. Yeah. And this, I think absolutely understandably so. He looked, I don't want to say rattled, but I, I do want to say withdrawn. There was an obvious weight that had been placed upon him that maybe he placed upon himself. Like, yeah. I don't know how much of this is the specifics of, I literally am not marrying this person and now I have to see her at a work event and that work event is in front of thousands of people and involves some level of entertainment and performance like well, BravoCon's a live event and Lindsay had spoken out in the press and that Carl we, had not right and which is what happens when you break off your engagement to a publicist <laughs> <laughs> truly though like she understands yeah, how how the game works. And so I ran into him the next day. Uh, I, Bravo, because I was moderating, Bravo paid for my hotel. So I was in the same hotel with um, all of the non-housewives. Mm-hmm. And I ran it. Carl was on my floor. And so we ran into each other waiting for the elevator. And he was like, oh, you know, thank you so much. You did such a great job. Like, that wasn't easy. You know, so, yeah, like you said, he he th- seeing him then, you know, he still seemed a little bit on edge but i mean leagues away from where he was when i saw him the day before like before we were about to go on stage i mean i remember talking to him about a page six event which was um featuring like couples timed around valentine's day and i was talking to him after about how surprised i am that he hasn't come out with a line of non-alcoholic drinks because i was like this is such the perfect it's a great opportunity for you based on both what you're doing on tv your past with lover boy i wasn't expecting it to be announced as a lover boy like collection which was i mean honestly fantastic i thought that was a a great move for him business-wise absolutely i didn't even know that was coming and then they announced it on the panel i also didn't know that andrea was getting engaged And so I was like sitting there and you see me go like, what? Because I was like, you know, not and not at all prepared. And I was obviously going to ask how things were going with Lexi, but I didn't think it was going to be we're now engaged. So breaking that news, girl, that's what happens when you get a real journalist instead of Karamo. No, I'm just kidding. Karamo (laughs) did a great job. Karamo Karamo did did a a great job. Karamo did a great job with VPR. And last year he did. Such so, an incredible job with Salt Lake City, the, the number one panel of the weekend last yeah. year. Um, what was your number one panel this year? I have an answer. So my problem was 
Um, I was in the VIP room. <laughs> what a problem. Um, and <laughs> what a challenge. And I had a bag because I have like a neuro condition. And so it's very, very important that I'm like drinking a sodium supplement drink and having salty foods throughout the day. And the worst case scenario for me from a physical health perspective is not getting sleep and being stressed out yeah. and, and not eating. And so when all of those came together for several days, I started to really kind of feel the effects, which in full transparency, I'm 100% feeling today. I do not feel well. And I know it's directly connected to neuro stuff. Um, but it's a sacrifice I was having to make. Um, but when I was in the VIP room, I was like talking to people. I had some time with Shannon and we talked about the DUI a little bit and yeah. um, uh, Van Vanderpump Rules actually. But while I was in VIP, I had a couple things with me. And at one point I turned around and my bag was gone, the bag of like snacks. And it was, I can guarantee it was not stolen because my purse was also there. What I think is because it was a plastic bag and then yes. all the Bravo bags, bags were cloth, but they were all white. Someone grabbed it and picked it up. So I had to spend at least 30 minutes trying to hunt it down and talk to event people and other people. And I sound like a crazy person because I'm like, there's nothing of value in there. The only thing that's in there is- But I need it. But I need it. And because yeah. there was no food served at BravoCon and I was like starting to feel the effects, I got very, very nervous because I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to fall ill. So I was- 20 minutes late to the Potomac panel, which is like the worst panel to be late for, especially because I heard after the fact that it started with Karen and Robin going in on each yes. other. So this is why I'm incredibly thankful that I think that panel is or will be up on Peacock to my understanding. Yes. Um, noting though that I've posted a bunch of videos from the weekend and I've heard from people who are like, oh, this like crazy moment wasn't in the panel when I watched it on Peacock. So I don't know how those are being edited and that makes me nervous. I don't want to sound like a giant narcissist, but I did watch my Summer House panel back. Oh, I 100% would do that. Are you and, kidding? And well, and part of the reason was so you can't be a narcissist if I wanted to do it. I mean, exactly. Hello. We're just both narcissists. But um, I, because my panel was on Friday, I don't think they had the sound like entirely worked out. Yeah. And it sounded a little staticky. And it was really hard to hear what they were saying on mm. stage. And so I wanted to watch it back to hear like all the things I missed. And yeah. there were definitely some digs and some jokes that I, it seemed like I was ignoring. Yeah. But it was because I couldn't tell what was happening. And at one point, like when Andrea talked about his divorce or his divorce, engagement. his engagement, <laughs> see, listen to the two of us. We're like we're, falling we're apart. We're literally melting down. Yeah. Um, Lindsay said, uh, just don't cancel it. And I like, that I heard, and I didn't acknowledge it, but I didn't acknowledge it because I didn't hear what she said. Yeah. Like I heard she said something. So I watched it back. And the only thing they took out was there was a drunk lady who asked a really cunty question at the end. Oh my God. And they, they got rid of that, but everything else was in there. Well, I mean, I have to say when it comes to favorite panels, my guess is that had I seen Potomac in full, I would have considered that a favorite panel, but the two panels, Aside from Summer House, obviously. I mean, Amen. Thanks. Number one. Um, there were two that made an impact on me. One was like another kind of medley panel, which was um moderated by Rachel Lindsay, who moderated two panels and did such a fucking unbelievably good job. She was so I everyone I saw was really good. And last year they had like um 
Savannah Guthrie and Hoda from the Today Show, which I mean, they're obviously journalists. They do this for a living. Yeah. And, and they were they didn't ask Andy and they were great. But you could tell they weren't Bravo fans. Right. And so they they were asking like Bravo 101 questions and we are all Bravo PhDs. Yeah. And so, you know, and this year, I mean, everybody I saw, did, Matt Rogers did a great job. Yeah, Danny Pellegrino did, did a great job. Rachel was amazing. Um, you want those voices. And I think sometimes they lean into like a certain kind of celebrity or or media relationship. And that can be tough because sometimes the people who are paying the price are the people in the audience. And it's like, you've just already paid entirely too much. Yeah, no, exactly. So um, yeah, but Potomac was my favorite. The New York one was also very good, mostly because Aaron, uh, this was the new New York, Aaron tried to get an Abe the Babe chant going. And people were like, no. And she was like pumping her hand like, Abe the Babe, Abe the Babe. And it was like, crickets (laughs) not to say say that abe is not a babe but i just don't think that that's the chance like we're like that's not that's not a phrase versus maybe like sandwich maybe or something pavit related we could maybe make into a thing well i think she was mad because pavit got a everybody yeah everyone's like where's pavit and then he like stood up and then it was like literally insanity yeah and then it's like abe the babe and everybody's like no thanks it's hard to get a temperature in the room i think if you are a bravo celebrity because you think that everything is going to be a hit and it's just a different language that I think Bravo Holics speak versus Bravo Labs. So there's going yes. to be tension between it because they think that they're delivering something and we just might reject it. Well, and someone asked me, I ran into someone who had been at the Summer House panel and was like, what did you think of the vibe in the room during your panel? And I was like, I can't tell. Like, I'm backstage. You can't really see mm-hmm. because of the lights. So like, I don't know what the vibe in the room is. I know what the vibe on stage was like. But like, yeah, I I couldn't have. So, you know, to Aaron's credit, which I am very loath to give. (laughs) You know what? I don't I was talking about this with somebody yesterday and I was like, I'm really, you know, into Aaron. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with the sound of her voice, which isn't to take away from her personality. I think she's a good housewife casting move on New York, regardless of how you feel about her. Absolutely. 100%. I think some people are loath to agree to, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. No, I'm glad she's around, but I don't like her. But I think it's honestly, there's so much of the tenor of her voice that gives me such New York energy that I feel calm. Like I would want to listen to her on the calm app. And that's what I always say. Aaron is such a New York type. And I need that. And we all, anyone who's lived in New York knows a million errands. A hundred percent. I might be an errand. Well, no, I'm not. No, Aaron, you're not I'm an errand. But, no. but I, appre- I really, really appreciate her on the show and New York's the thing with New York is it was such a raucous crowd. And I think yeah. it's also because it was in the smaller room. That's still a huge room. But that amplified literally everything, including the vo- and it was you. There was an overflow. Like it, it was you could not get a seat. You it was the not get a seat. only one that they had to turn people away from. But to their credit, as people were leaving, they were letting more people in. So, yes. yeah. And that was the only one people had to wait in line for. But I also think like a little bit of that is good. And I think that the that's the only panel I went to in that little room. But I think that. Everybody in there was really like yeah. wrapped and paying attention. Whereas in the bigger room, there, excuse me, there were always people wandering around in the back, like people leaving early. There were bars in the back. It was kind of a different experience where it seemed like not everybody was 100% engaged with what was happening on stage. Totally. So when I think it comes to like my favorite panels, two of them were hosted by Rachel Lindsay, Potomac. Yeah. And um, this panel called Housewife to Housewife Day One Divas, which was Giselle, Heather, Kyle, Robin, Tree, and Vicky. And the, That's good. Yeah. And the thing that I found interesting was like 
the quickness of booing. Heather Gay got booed when someone asked her about the eye, black eye. Right. She said to be continued. There were just well, and and I saw that clip, and yeah, I, I think posted you it. posted it. Yeah, and she's like, I talked about it a lot, and people didn't even wait for her to finish what she was saying and started she booing. Was, she literally was like, "This is a lead in. Just give me a second. And yeah. then I think there was some laughter of like, "Oh yeah, we got it." And then she continued and finished, and then the booing picked up again. Like, who knows what is going to happen there? But the thing that I found so interesting with the audience is often it's not booing the housewife it's just booing their answer yes and i don't know how they receive it but i that's how i received it was it wasn't people saying to heather gay go fuck yourself it was people saying this is not the answer that i want it feels too similar from what you've said previously and and we didn't believe it then we don't believe it now and we're paying for some tea and we would like you to deliver it please the other thing about that panel that i really appreciated was like Teresa can be extremely withholding in life and certainly at public events. And I think a lot of that has to do with like being on defense and being on edge. Yes. But when she is with other housewives that I think she considers contemporaries, you can see her soften. And I think she was just a little more, I don't want to use the phrase like easygoing, but here I am. I just think she was a little more connected and maybe less stressed than she may have been at her New Jersey panel, which was an absolute chaos. But here's the... Sur- well, and Tell she me. and Louie, there was definitely a mixed reaction to them he got arriving. everywhere he went. Oh my everywhere God. he went. Can I tell you? Tell so me. I went to the Bravos uh, on Friday yeah, and... Same. um. I don't know if you saw, but afterwards, a lot of people were kind of milling about outside of the theater entrance, and there were a lot of the husbands there who oh, like couldn't get tickets. So I saw Slate Smiley, <laughs> and and I was the fact that Slate Smiley couldn't get a ticket is oh, an iconic oh my god for culture. And Slade Smiley looked so old, did he? And I was so he's my type then. Well, well like. Not not like bad and old, but like oh, you're used well to sm- you you're when I think of say, season Slate, one, I think of season one no. Slate Smiley, and that was twenty years ago, and yeah. so it just made me feel really old Got that it. I was like, oh my god, Slate Smiley's old. But then I, we haven't aged. No, they we are this yeah ageless by remote. And then I saw Louis, and I have never seen anyone so visibly excited energetic uh, yeah let's say energetic yeah then we saw louie very friendly very spirited very filled with energy yeah and i don't think it was from red bull but it could have been from water and that's why we're just going to talk about the energy as being from water and just the adrenaline of being there. I think that's what you meant, right? Yeah, Brian? that's 100% what that's I mean. Absolutely what you but meant. I also think that there's a big difference between booing Heather Gay's answer, which I'm kind of okay with, and booing Lisa Rinna when she showed up on stage or booing Tom Sandoval. Right. It's like that is to your character. Yeah, that's just like booing a person. And somebody got up at the Vanderpump Rules panel and was like, why are you here? Well, well, which was terrible. But then I was going to say another lady got up after him was like, show Tom a little bit of grace. Like oh. he's here. He's answering your questions. He could have not come, you know, whatever. Like, And and I kind of agreed with that. Like, yeah, if he's going to give a shitty answer, boo. But he would open his mouth and people would just start booing. And it's like, do you want to hear from this man or don't you? I get that. I And I appreciate it. And I appreciated her saying it. But I also think 
with Lala's answer too, it's like how much, how long does he, this man need to be booed for? Like, yes. it feels like outsized. But then you hear Ariana quite clearly say on stage that he still has not apologized to her. And I, and he said in response, something along the lines of like, no comment. So when it comes to like, he shouldn't be booed anymore, I get it. But he still hasn't take respons- taken responsibility with his partner of nearly a decade. So until he does that, I care less about whether or not he's booed because maybe <laughs> there's an element of that that he deserves i will say i saw he's him, a showman right he's a performer I, just like erica <laughs> um i saw him several times walking around the hotel and he was always alone he always had his head down like you could tell he was trying to like not get noticed and not get attention whereas like every other bravo Lab i saw was like maybe not courting attention yeah. but definitely not like actively seeking to avoid it yeah and so like you know and i get it because at the end of the day like he's giving up his life for our entertainment and he may be a horrible person but i feel like we deserve him a little something but i also agree with you like that doesn't mean he's a good person right but like yeah shout out to astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. 
I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Row, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code Andy's Girls for 15% off today. I'm engaging.
There were two other moments that I found really impactful. One was because of the um, craziness during Beverly Hills last year and the fact that the panel itself was like an absolute nothing burger and really truly nothing happened and people were upset about that. Uh, Beverly Hills to me was one of the worst panels at BravoCon last year versus this year where there was... and oh, again, I didn't I, get to see it. I put a five-minute segment up. There were two moments that were... One was the most vulnerable, intense moment of any weekend, and one was the most chaotic. The most chaotic was at uh, New Jersey Panel Part 2, which also ended the weekend, which was a wild way to end. But part, but the but the most like vulnerable, impactful to me was Kyle quite literally breaking down and crying yes. about Mauricio. And you could tell that it was so fucking real. And she was just yes. very vulnerable in a way that I was surprised by, contrasted with some of Garcelle's responses to things in saying, listen, I understand that, you know, um, you're upset and I empathize with it. But some of your frustration about cast members talking about the breakdown and, and, you know, separation of your marriage is what you signed up for. So that's not really on us. That's kind of on you. And the other moment was when Sutton said, you know, Teddy was making jokes, but not even joking. Teddy was clearly saying I travel everywhere with vodka with me, not even intimating, but explicitly saying that I have a problem with alcohol and you didn't say fucking shit and Kyle didn't respond. And I thought those were very, very interesting moments as well as someone saying to Kyle, stop making fetch happen. Well, with Teddy, I think that the best panels are the ones when the show comes alive and it's like, Karen and Robin getting into it, it's like watching the show. Yeah. And like Kyle crying and Garcelle being like, it's kind of your fault, is watching the show. And it's like, I watch Miami, which I love all the Miami women. And it was just like, we're all sisters. At the end of the day, we all get along. And just like all these boring answers and like whatever. And it's like, okay, sure. You know, every panel can't be amazing. But then I'm just like, snooze. Yeah, the Miami, I thought, I think it's just because I love, but this is the difference when it comes to live events you don't sometimes you don't necessarily know how good the performance of the panel will be yes versus the content and it's very easy to get them confused so like i went into miami expecting it to be absolute in the words of adriana faya but it wasn't which is fine it doesn't mean that the show isn't absolutely fantastic it just means that this was not the panel you know what i'm saying it just it was i so i could go to another one instead well i think it's also hard and i noticed this at the beverly hills panels both times in that it's like uh they had already filmed the current season which we can't talk about and we hadn't seen much of it Mm. and so then we're asking questions about the last season Mm -hmm. but then they're annoyed that we're asking old questions because they're like already over that stuff and so I think for some of that like yeah the timing issues between real life and what we're seeing etc can sometimes make it weird with what they're willing to talk about and especially like in the fan question. Yeah. And I also have to say that, you know, there did feel like a definite separation and divide between people that the network decided could be considered media and have media access in prior years versus people who had, you know, upgraded like VIP tickets, which included many content creators, myself included. And this year, I think because, you know, last year it was essentially the press and media all front row, first two rows, which made things sort of frustrating. 
And it was just hard enough to get a seat in any of those rooms at Javits. It was just very, very stressful and frustrating. Versus this year, it was a much, much bigger room, the larger yes. room. And also they had the press sectioned off, um, you know, house right, a little a couple rows back. It was very clear who should be sitting in that area. And people who were VIP were able to get front row and second row seats. And I didn't have an issue getting a seat, honestly, at really any panel. I was able to get into New York, which was tough. Like Avery Singer was like trying to talk her way in. She got in. Um, and I like leaned against a wall. And then when seats opened up second row, I pounced on them. Um, but the feeling of like being able to access good seats so that you really feel like you're part of yes. the energy was a lot easier this year than in years past. And I also think just the setup of the room, the screens were really well placed. Yes. There were no like poles blocking no. shit like happen what which happened last year and was just so endlessly frustrating. It felt like there were considerations made or maybe it was a happy accident or maybe this is why you go to Vegas because they have these spaces that yep. are available and it and it helped make the experience feel really meaningful because you felt li when you're literally closer to the stage or you feel like you have a good seat in the back of the room and you can still see things that obviously is going to have an impact in your ability to like listen to what's being said on stage versus like swearing sweet Christ for 65 minutes. No, you're absolutely right. And even in the back of the room, if you just like came, walked into the back of the big room and stood there, mm -hmm. you could still hear everything that was happening. And yeah. so, it, yeah, it, it, Yes. And whereas in the Javits, if you're in the back, those rooms were so cavernous and the floors were concrete. Yeah. So everything echoed. So you couldn't hear in like the back of the room. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, my house is so cavernous <laughs> that you can't it hear It is literally anything. so beautiful. I'm very upset about it. Um. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I tell you. What was the what was your I mean, um, peak and pit, rose and thorn? What was your thorn of the weekend? If it was a panel or a moment or an experience, what kind of maybe deflated you a little bit or made you feel like, oh, what the fuck? I think it was just waiting for all of the rides and stuff, just how long it took to get everywhere, especially in the evening when mm. you're trying to get to or from a taping of Watch What Happens Live or whatever, and you had to leave like an hour early. And it was just hard in that it's like the panels ended at five and then it would take you forever to get back to your hotel and then you have to turn right around to go back out to whatever was it that night yeah so it was just taking so long to get everywhere so that was really my big negative that and that there was no decent food anywhere and also no food anywhere yeah and and so it, it's like one day for lunch i had a bag of lays and a snickers which isn't the worst lunch but <laughs> it's not gonna get the job done. yeah some days you need a little bit more uh, but other than that, I mean, everything at the convention I really love. And I mean, this is going to sound so cheesy and whatever, but I just love seeing all the fans. Yeah. And like, you know, because especially living in London, there aren't as many housewives people there. And it's like, I write these things. And I talk to people on the internet and you know, and that's great, but it's just so much nicer to be in a group where you can just like speak in Bravo. Everyone gets what you're saying. Everybody is there. Everyone's excited. Everyone's in a good mood. Everyone wants to take a picture. And like that to me was just like really the best part. Yeah, I feel like 
meeting AGs throughout the weekend. And I kept saying on social, like, literally, if you see me running in the wild, please stop. And the amount of people who stopped me and just said, like, your podcast is really meaningful. And I'm not going to get emotional because, again, I'm so dehydrated. There is truly no moisture to spare. But (laughs) the, the fact that, like, I heard from people who came up and were like, I'm Jewish. And I just want to tell you that, you know, I feel really connected to you and and what you've been sharing on the pod and elsewhere was like, it, it is so unbelievably meaningful to me because also what we do is isolating. Like I might yeah. have you on the podcast, but we're Zooming. We're not in the same space. Yes. Like there's something to be said for physically being in the room and having that connection. And like, maybe it's putting a face to a name. Maybe it's just sharing this communal experience together. And it's also the listeners, many of whom have been a part of the AG universe of it all for several years, like getting a chance to take a photo and just for me to be able to say like, thank you yeah. is, is so me, it is by far my favorite part of the weekend. There's, there's yes. no number two when it comes to like, what was the thing that made the weekend really impactful? It was literally meeting listeners, AGs, you know, fellow yes. Bravo fans. And especially as a Jewish person, having people come up to me saying, you know, we see each other was unbelievably. And I did not expect that at all. And it was really, really meaningful. And I also love that it makes my job as a reporter easy because then everyone who comes up to me is like, I love you. I'm just like, highlights, lowlights. What are you loving? Where have you gone? What have you done? Who have you seen? And that like, that's where I get in every, you know, and people be like, oh my God, I saw Heather McDonald, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. I saw, you know, so-and-so do this. I, you know, and I'm like, thank you. And some of that I use for articles. Some of that I just store in the vault. I'm giving Brian <laughs> eyes right now. I mean, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. Um, so thank you everyone for making my job easy. And, and I mean, I, I always joke that I feel like Sally Field at Soap Dish, like mm. in Soap Dish where she, she is on a soap opera and when she needs a lift, she goes to the mall so that everyone can tell her how yes. amazing she is. Like, I'm only famous at BravoCon. And, Same. And like, but it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it, I, I love it and I love all the fans and, you know, and that's really great. And I know that that's how you know, the Bravo people feel. And Andy kept saying it like, if you're here alone, you're going to make friends. And, and you will. Oh, totally. I made all, I met all 100%. sorts of people. And um, yeah, so it was great. I do have to say when it comes to a pit, I, I mean, there were probably a couple pits dealing with r- responses to things during panels, but Jen Aiden was so on something during, and it was the last panel of the weekend, Michael Rappaport hosted. So there was just a lot of fucking energy on that stage. Jackie was there, which people continue to find confusing, especially considering her responses during the panel. It still doesn't make sense to some of us. We need more information, which obviously we'll get, one would assume, during the upcoming season. But Jen was so punchy about wanting to reference how good a man Louis is that she would say that in response to things that weren't being asked to or of her. And she would just interject to the point that Michael Rappaport at the beginning of the panel was like, calm down. Like, I've got this. Like, you don't need to. It it was it. It then, you know, later on during the Q&A, when someone said, you know, how is it that you have your head so far up Teresa's asshole? While that is an obviously aggressive pointed question, 
her then like leaping out of her chair and yelling this person is looking for a reaction and they got one and it was very very intense but it was also indicative i think of the difference in energy between melissa's panel and Teresa's, which was the same this year as last year last year melissa really didn't get booed at her panel felt like there were more gorgita crunches in the audience or she the way she was answering some things, which is different from honestly Joe's behavior last year. And this year they were like relatively quiet when it came to Teresa stuff versus Teresa's panel where she was getting booed over and over yes. and over again. Louis Louis was getting booed a thousand times more, but I was shocked by that. I am too because it, if you live on Twitter, it seems like the tree huggers are everywhere. Right. But I I don't think that. I don't think that that is a good or nice question for that person to have asked. They were looking, they were asked an aggressive question, looking for an aggressive response, which never should include any kind of accidental or otherwise misgendering, which is what Jen Aiden did in response, and also body shaming, which Jen Aiden repeatedly did in response. Right. But but it's an aggressive question. Agree. You're not How, looking for her to respond. You're looking for her to react. Right. No. And there were plenty of people who had comments on questions, I- including her. But I will say part of my frustration with Jersey and not to sound like Donald Trump, but it's oh, on God. both sides. Like in that. What a great comparison. I know. But that Jennifer Aiden will go out of her way to find a way to defend Teresa that's like indefensible. And, you know, Margaret and the others will do that for Melissa. It's like they're all just so entrenched in their sides that they can't even see reality. They're just trying to support that person. And like that, you know, Teresa's like, that's what friends do. That's what friends do. And it's like, no, at some point you need to be Giselle and tell Robin bitch, your shit is busted. You know, like a good friend will tell you when you're wrong and, and help you get through it. And so, yeah, I find that's what I find frustrating about the show. And I wish that they could figure out a way to fix it, but I don't think the way to do it is by accosting Jen Aiden at BravoCon with a shitty question. And that's also the difficulty too, when it comes to BravoCon, which we certainly experienced the last two years and was not to me as big of a um, presence this year, but it is also the idea that people have a relationship with Bravo. I know there's the term parasocial, which people use often when it comes to like relationships with people online, but there is a different iteration and form of that when it comes to the relationships we have with Bravo Lebs and also with ourselves and yeah. how we react to Bravo Lebs and these shows. And there are people who come to BravoCon, and this is not a criticism, but just an observation, where you come to BravoCon, you want to have that moment. You've yeah. seen other people have that moment. You want to have it. You feel like you deserve it. And maybe you feel like this is justice and the punishment that that person should get by trying to humiliate them or embarrass them or um, aggravate them or amplify them or yes. just say the thing that you feel like hasn't been said. And it was not as big a presence I think this year than years past, but it will continue to be the thing. It will continue yes. to happen. No, absolutely. Well, and I always say what people love about BravoCon is they want to live in the show. A hundred percent. And part of living in the show is being messy, is creating drama, whatever. And we're always going to have that. But I do think that there's a way, and some of the best questions of the weekend come from the fans because mm. they ask the things that fans really want to know the answers to. Yep. And so I, I'm glad that when they can think of inventive questions, tough questions, whatever, but there also needs to be a level of respect to the people on stage who are actual human beings. 
as I as I call PK like the worst names in the book every week in my recaps. <laughs> what do you think is going on with PK and Dorit? I don't know. It seems not great. Well, did you see that clip of Kyle saying divorce? She's and she clarified after because I was in one of those panels. She's like, I I made I inadvertently said divorce. I meant separation. It was a genuine mistake on her part. And who knows how much of that is subconscious. I genuinely think she just used the wrong fucking word. I can believe that. But now she's dealing with the consequences of that because these things go viral so quickly and people are looking for new content about her separation. Yeah. She also said, I mean, I, I still I don't really want to get into it, but all of the stuff with her relationship with Morgan continues to be just sort of confusing in how she's communicating about it. Yes. And I, as someone who's not a member of the LGBTQ community, don't want to make a focus into attempting to solve a person's relationship with involves potentially outing them as some sort of game of clue. But I also say from a from an attendee perspective, from a PR perspective, I'm just confused about what is happening and might might happen. And I think that's something that may come with time. I don't I really don't know. Well, I can also see how and we've seen this on other shows where there are some women who are much more transparent about their lives than others and Mm -hmm. how frustrating that must be for your coworkers when, you know, Kyle is demanding everybody talk about everything that's going on in their life. And she's not doing that. Right. Either. So, you know, I get it. But, oh, my God, PK and Doree. Oh, who can even say? And she, Dorit, made clear, like, we're we're working through something. So there is something that's going on in their relationship and their dynamic, but we're not getting separated or divorced. And just the timing of the fact that there's obviously some sort of tension that's happening, something that they're uh, processing on the show and off. And the timing of that with Kyle and Mauricio, it's just, it's honestly wild. It is a wild time and I never would have anticipated it. I mean, I remember when you were talking about the rumors of Dury and PK and they came out with a pretty strong response about that. They've since come out with a pretty re- strong response um, just on that social was recently. years ago when I, I was know. talking about it. So, you know, and and like, I get it. You know, I've been married and with my partner for a mm-hmm. bit of time and like you go through good times, you can go through bad times and, you know, I, I get that. But also... I'm not on a reality show, so. Well, that's the thing is like to, for Kyle, who you know I love dearly, she's in my top five. And if you don't know that, why aren't you listening to this podcast? But um, for the Kyle of it all, like I get what she's saying. She feels like her relationship isn't in separation, isn't, or questions about it, isn't being presented in a way that's respectful and might hurt her family. And I also think like, what else has happened in the last 13 seasons that she has been on and she's not wrong to feel that way, but other people are also not wrong for feeling that way about her behavior in the last decade plus. Well, and and people were asking like, oh, do you think Maurizio treats on Kyle or whatever? And, you know, my response is the only thing we have to judge their relationship on is what we see on television, which right. is clearly edited. And they've always been trying to sell us on this love story of Kyle and Maurizio. Which was a love story. Which, for it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that things change. No, exactly. But I mean, and there could have been things that they were ignoring or Mm -hmm. not showing us because they didn't fit in the narrative they were trying to push for us. So it's really hard for us to get an accurate read on what has been going on historically or currently because what we're seeing is a produced and edited 
product. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's fake. I'm not saying it's scripted. But like, you know, they are picking and choosing. And the reality is, so too is BravoCon. It's tightly yes. produced. The ways that questions are vetted, the reaction when questions are asked that weren't <laughs> pre-approved, like yep. the Jeff Lewis of it all was a yep. clusterfuck and firestorm that you would think that they would anticipate by asking Jeff to helm that panel. And I don't know how this is possible after over a decade of flipping out, but I genuinely think that they thought that he was going to be quote unquote under control. And that obviously absolutely did not happen. But that's also what you're looking for when you come to BravoCon is someone to say something potentially controversial, not to say that right. everything that he said um, shouldn't be given the honestly the space it deserves, but it is to say that there are elements of like sparks flying throughout the weekend. And when you see them, you have to really hold on to it because otherwise a lot of those sparks, as you said, are going to come from the audience questions and not the stage person themselves. Well, and I think that the what Jeff was doing is classic Bravo, where it's like, he'll come for Teddy. He'll come for Crystal. Yeah. It's like, you can come for any of the women, but if you criticize Bravo, if you wanted to show support with Bethany, mm -hmm. if you wanted, not that I'm saying you should, but right. if, but like, as long as Andy and the network's noses stay clean, you can talk as much shit about all the women as you want. And I think that's a little little uh, unfair <laughs> to do that to the women, you know, often at the expense of, of them looking good. But yeah, I hated that Jeff Lewis panel because it wasn't Ask Andy. It was Jeff Lewis telling Andy his opinions and then Andy sitting there and going like, I can't talk about that. I want them to let me do an Ask Andy, but I want them to just like, let me ask anything I want. <laughs> I mean, and I would love for that to happen, but how much of... Um, the Andy stuff, did you feel like was, uh, led to a response of, I can't talk about that. I don't remember Andy saying that. Did he say that a thousand times? No, there were a few things where he was like, you know, that's an HR issue. I can't talk about, uh, you know, like whatever. But yeah, I mean, Andy was, you know, clearly answering the questions, but he wasn't going to be like, you're right. I think Crystal's boring. You're right. I think Monica's poor, <laughs> right. you know, which I mean, I think both of those, I love Crystal and I think Monica's a great addition. So I disagree with Jeff Lewis. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, I am a chump, but I also think Jeff's behavior in the last couple of days on his radio show has been really difficult to listen to. So while I really, um, you know, appreciate what he did as moderator. There were also other elements of the panel, like talking to Andy, truly seemingly only interested in humiliating him about talking about that photo or videos of Andy that were taken during yeah. Pride was like such a bad look and also not interesting and also not something that anyone in the audience gave a single fuck about. And no. you're wasting minutes of the panel to try to humiliate this man as a gay man talking to another gay man. And Andy himself at one point was like, you're not going to shame me. And it's just yes. an inappropriate violation of privacy. Not only was that a conversation forever ago, but like I know that Jeff loves the housewives and loves Bravo. I think that Jeff is obviously incredibly talented and charismatic, but also why are you, these are the things that you're trying right. to do. Like, what does that say about what you think is going to garner a, a popular or interesting response? It can't be that because we have to be better than that. And I know the irony of me saying that in relation to Jeff, but like, well, I hated, come on. I hated Jeff slut shaming him, which is what he was doing. Yeah, he was. And like, and I also hated that, 
the conversation when those pictures came out from what I saw was, why should we care about this? Andy is single. He's at a gay bar making out with a dude, like let him live his life. And for him to have to say that again, I thought I agree with you was pretty shitty, but I'm glad that Andy answered it. And the crowd definitely supported him and was like, you know, I'm a dad on a night out. Like, let me make out with a dude. Right. And also that was the kind of friction that is going to create content. There's the the Bravo con content, which will continue forever. And also I take some responsibility for like needing to be accountable to myself and fucking upload the thousands of videos that I didn't have a, a chance to post during BravoCon will continue over the next several days. But that's the thing. These news cycles will go over and over and over again. All the videos of that you have to post with me in the background making bitchy comments as you're trying to film <laughs> something. So if you hear some queen in the background being mean of one of Sarah's videos, it was probably me. And I apologize, but not really. <laughs> um, you apologize, but not really. And I'm I'm here for that non-apology. And I'm also here for this conversation. And the fact that you took the time, you're on deadline for a bunch of pieces. Um, my brain is out to lunch. We're still both trying to recover. But finding the time to connect with each other, which is right at the core of the things I love most about BravoCon and the things that I love most about talking to you is very meaningful. And I actually might get a little emotional right now. And again, I am going to blame this on the lack of sleep. But like the person that I really wanted to have on Andy's Girls the most seven years ago was you. Oh, it really was. You're not going to remember this, but I remember you were in my apartment pre office when it was like, unless. yes, and you were in my apartment. You were eating candy, which I was very annoyed with after the fact because I have misophonia or whatever. Oh, sorry. That's OK. But um, I was so thankful that you were there because I couldn't like edit it because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, the chewing. But you were there and I was told after the fact that I was staring at you like you were the fucking god like I had my <laughs> I had my like hand like right close to my face and I don't even remember if I talked to you because I was just like in the presence of greatness and that's still how I feel about you I just think Aww. you're so talented and you have really been at the forefront of making housewives different in a way that sometimes it doesn't deserve, but I always appreciate. And so if people have not purchased your book, I highly recommend that they do because it is to me the official tome about the experience of loving Bravo and what that represents. Yes. And no, and I think that, that that's really important. And I hate those people who, oh my God, I posted this on my story. But um, I, so when I was at BravoCon, I opened Grinder and I changed my headline to BravoCon and I put in my <laughs> profile, if you send me your favorite Housewives quote, I'll send you a dick pic. Oh which I mean, whatever. Oh my God, Ryan. Girl, I'll send a dick. I'll send you a dick pic if oh you want. Oh my God, one. I'm okay. Like, <laughs> my it's my a, penis is offended. It's a headshot of Slade smiling. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag dick pic. But yes. um, so you know, and you know, I did it like for fun, and I got so many great responses from people like talking to fans or whatever, and I sent them all a dick pic. You're welcome. <laughs> but then this one guy, like you know, I started talking to him. He was really cute, and then. I was like, oh, are you, you know, do you want to make out this weekend? Whatever. And he's like, I'm sure you're a great person, but I think that Bravo fans are just as bad as Republicans. And I Which hate them we're not both. Go anywhere near when yeah. it comes to political parties. But yeah. Right. But also that like not yes, and I agree, but yes, and I understand what he said. Yeah, and like I hate you both, and so I'm not gonna hook up with you. And what it's a like dumb, stupid, rude awful stereotyping kind yeah, of and, shitty response and it's like I, he wants to be holier than himself and god bless him for that exactly but it's like 
do you know how many academics I know that study this? Do you know yeah. how many people I know at the upper echelons of like culture and entertainment who are housewives obsessives? Like, fuck you. And I always hate those people so much. And I have taken it on as my like life's mission yeah. to erase that stigma of like, I mean, you know, is it Shakespeare? No, it's not. But does it bring us a lot of joy? Absolutely. And so let us like our thing. And you can like your thing and I'm not going to make fun of your thing and don't make fun of my thing. Yeah. 100%. When it comes to gender politics, the ways that some quote unquote guilty pleasures are looked at as guiltier than others, especially when it's being said by someone who is not a woman about a community that's um, maintained and upheld by women, both on screen and off, is a particularly annoying to me. So I think he should go fuck himself and he just showed his, I mean, that's really the only option because I assume you swipe left. Yeah, I I, I actually said way harsh, Ty. <laughs> and that no, was he, like... He is a little clueless. Yeah, I, I mean... I think he is a little clueless. I wish I had come up with like the perfect I think that housewives quote. He's to not going to like, know it. Bloop. Yeah, exactly. Bloop. Um, but I have a question for you, which is... It, next year at BravoCon. Okay. When I like, host the entire weekend. When you host now. the entire weekend. like When they decide that podcasts are okay. What do you want to see? What do you think they should change? What do you want to be done differently? Um, I, God, I don't, I honestly don't know what I want. I think that there could be more diversity on stage. And by that, I think their current form of diversity is like a celebrity who was on reality TV versus a celebrity who was on scripted drama. And I get the ways that, uh, they are looking for celebs to be the faces of panels. Got it. Um, but I also think that when it comes to speaking to people on these shows about these shows, which is not really celeb specific, but just to say it's important to have people who speak the language of this. Yes. And also fans aren't buying tickets to BravoCon because they're seeing a familiar face on stage. Yes. They're buying tickets to BravoCon to go to BravoCon. So if we try to attempt to find ways to make it connected to the Bravo community and the content creator community, that would be great. And they also quite... There are so many people, not to interrupt you, but there are so many people who I ran into who said like, you know, I came here to see, you know, you and Danny Pellegrino and Sarah, like I came here to see these people and your Bravo celebrities too. And yeah, I agree with you. I wish they would lean into that. Like, you know, Michael Rappaport is great and all, but like, I don't know that he's the best. And he, but I don't think he's a draw for a panel. Like, you know, Casey and Danielle from Bitch Test would be. 100%. You know what I mean? And also they have a way, just because you're celebrity does not mean that when it comes to asking questions or getting a sense of the temperature of the room, that that makes you the right person to host this panel because the celebs that Bravo Holics are interested in are the women on stage and the cast yes. members on stage, which Absolutely. is not specific, exclusive only to women, but are majority women. Um, and also it would be great if the network considered podcasting to be um, a form of media, which they have essentially a rule about at this point. They do not consider podcasts to be media, but they depend on content creation to continue to maintain the Bravo community. So there, every- there is an exchange there. And I just wish... They've been so generous to me, gave me tickets, like all of that I'm very appreciative of, but there is still this line that they've drawn in the sand, which is difficult to grapple with both in terms of like feeling like I'm not, they don't see podcasts in this as worthy enough. And I know that it is. And also the fact that it's like, you're still keeping stuff. It's, do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. My brain is literally on fire. And right. Like, I think what you're saying is, 
I think the thing is at these legacy media organizations, they value most legacy media organizations, which I am at one of. And so Mm -hmm. thank God. But like uh, Taylor Lorenz, who is a great journalist who covers tech, uh, did an interview with Vanity Fair and they were asking her like what sells books and she's like it's not this no what sells books going on podcasts and I think that that's true of Bravo too is that I don't know one Bravo fan and I know a fucking lot of Bravo fans that doesn't listen to one podcast yeah and so yeah and and I agree with you like trying to capitalize on that and and the other Bravo content creators is would be great for them. And also when it comes to content creators, people who are mostly on social media, which is where they're creating content there or on YouTube, the thing that is in addition to seeing Bravo fans and AGs, just being surrounded by a pack of content creators, all of us on like different text threads. Can you get me a seat there? Can you get me a seat there? Where are we going next? Was like, that is the community of content creation, which will continue to exist regardless of whether or not Bravo decides to value us in a way that also includes like the sharing of specific resources. So we appreciate each other. We see each other, but also regardless of whether or not that happens, regardless of whether some women's voices are not seen as as valuable as men's when talking about women's stories, what is important is like we are still able to do the work together, which includes Bravo fans who may not be considered in their own minds as content creators, right. but are as important, if not more than important than anybody else on those stages. Because at the end of the day, it's the Bravo community that makes Bravo special. It's the Bravo community that enables us to have these kinds of conversations. It's the Bravo community that sometimes asks the questions that the network is too afraid or paranoid or conservative to ask, which isn't about politics, but is about ethics. And just like having nuanced conversations, impassioned conversations, conversations that are the exact opposite and unpacking the reasons why, that's why I love Bravo. And that will continue regardless of whether or not a franchise is going to have a good season. I still think that there's value in these conversations that should never have to come with the permission slip of feeling guilt. So I, my the craziest thing to me this weekend, and I've seen it at every BravoCon, but this time it seemed like really amplified, was just how all people wanted was like to get a picture. Like, can I get a picture with you? Can I get a selfie? You know, whatever. Which like, great. If that's what you want to do. I am a picture person. So I, I start with a picture. Yeah, I am not a picture person. I am 100% a picture person. That is my love language. Well, and I know this and this is. We this, are taking a selfie after this. And this is why I'm going to ask you this question is somebody was unhappy with the Bravo Palooza events where you paid $250 and there would be like 10-ish Bravo Lebs in a room and it was supposed to be more like a mix and mingle. Maybe like five to ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, but also it's like fruit medley. There'd be like one strawberry and like a lot of cantaloupe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so uh, but uh, you know, not that any any person's a cantaloupe, you know what I'm saying. We but, love a melon. But so somebody was saying that because they were crowded and because there were so many people, like it ended up becoming like a photo op, and they said that maybe they should do camera free Bravo Palooza so no. we could just talk to people? Nope. No. No, okay. because for people who will never have access to a Bravo Lab aside from these kinds of events, a, a photo to someone is as much of a memory as the memory itself, oftentimes more than that. And for Bravo, which obviously considers social media posts, content right. engagement, 
awareness, whatever else to be an important part of growing the community and just maintaining it. I'm not going to take away from anyone the ability to mark that moment and share with their friends. I think I get what they're saying. I think that would be sort of a mess and a disaster and not appropriate for people who have spent money and a part of the spending money is to take that pick. And it's up to people. It's also up to the Bravo Lab what they're open to. Can you talk to that person for a couple minutes? Can you just take a photo? They might only have capacity to just take a photo and have 15 seconds of conversation, but you will have that photo forever. That is meaningful to you. That's a representation of what it is that you paid for, which is access and connection. And sometimes that connection is going to be posing for a selfie and that is it. And sometimes that's enough. And I'm also literally a huge, huge photo person. So I would lose my mind. And in my Bravo Palooza, it was, I'm going to fuck up people's names. There was um, a Ginge from Below Deck, who I'm sure is a lovely person, but I don't watch Below Deck. Woman? Yes. Riley. Yes. She was there. Brian from Family Karma was there. Sutton was there. Teresa and Louie were there. Uh, Phaedra was there. Candace was there. Like I had a girl. Really you got stacked. a lot of strawberries. I got. I know. I got a <laughs> lot of strawberries. It was a really stacked room, and I had the. I felt like the the. We have to wrap, but I felt like the crowd in attendance was like. Uh, it, obviously there were lines for photos. It was in no way overwhelming. I got a chance to talk to literally everybody in the room. I got a chance to have real conversations with people in the room. Oh, Katie was there too. Katie Molly Schwartz. Yeah. And James Kennedy's, I just forgot her name. Allie, Allie. was there too. Everybody was lovely. Everybody was open to having conversations. I had a deeper conversation probably with Candace than anybody else. But everybody was, and Sutton was incredible too. Like it just, that's what you want. You yeah. want to have access to these opportunities. And I don't want to, that's also a judgment that that person is making that taking away of, of the ability to take a photo will inspire a deeper conversation. You don't know. Sometimes the photo is helpful because you know what the exchange is going to be. And that takes a little bit of pressure off of people. If we didn't have the photo ops, I think it would be more pressure on Bravo Labs to deliver yeah. something else. And they might not have capacity for for it because they're flying off uh, off the seat of their brain. You know what I'm saying? Again, brain stuff. Sorry, apologies, words and stuff. Um, I'm just going to say for, a, I know we have to wrap, but at my Bravo Palooza, I stepped on Kristen Doty's foot. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. Was it open to choose? No, it was not. She had it like on a boot. How did she feel about oh, that? Oh, she was just like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. And uh, like everybody was fine with it. It was just like a everybody little. Everybody was talking about it? No, everyone was fine with it. Oh, okay. But it was like, I stepped on somebody's foot and then I turned to apologize to be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And then it was Kristen Doty. And I was like, oh fuck, I just stepped on Kristen Doty's foot. There were people, I had no idea Kristen Doty was there. Me neither. Uh, someone was Mercedes, saying. Mercedes, I didn't see her at all. I know that there are people there who aren't currently on Bravo shows, but it was hard for me to see them. Someone said they. Oh, no, that they were there. Her, it, well, it was her, Brat, Jack's, and and Brittany were all in the Bravo Palooza. I had I was no in. idea. Yeah, and that uh, and that's all they did, as far as I know. Wow. Like they weren't on any panels. Well, they will be next year because they have their spinoff. Yeah. So, so um, to yeah. be continued. To be continued. Dame Brian Moylan, you know I love you. You know I adore you. Where can people sign up for the Real Housewives Institute? Where can they follow you on social? Mention it all, all that and more. Um, you can sign up for my newsletter at vulture.com slash housewives. We did one on Monday as a BravoCon special. There's another one coming out on Friday. I'm going to talk more about Grindr at BravoCon because <laughs> I don't, I have done so much BravoCon content. I don't even, I, what am I going to put in a newsletter? I 
have nothing left to say. Um, and uh, yeah. And then you can find me on all social media platforms at Brian J. Moylan. I have since um, changed my name on Grinder away from BravoCon. So wow. sorry. And can you search for someone's name? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think know. it's mostly like location based, but I bet you probably could if you tried real hard. Well, listen, speaking of trying hard, um, this was nothing but easy. So I'm so thankful that you Aww. were here. Um, guys, speaking of things that you can follow, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Tons and tons and tons of BravoCon content there, videos, things that may have made the peacock edit, things that may have not. Um, you can find that on Instagram at Dame Galley and join the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. And I think I'm going to do the buy a coffee thing, which is a, what a lot of content creators do um, if you are interested in supporting the content content creation, which obviously the perfect time for that is to do that the day following BravoCon. That's the time to really have a sign up. But just in case you have any interest um, in supporting some of these expenses that I've incurred over the last week. It's expensive um, to be you. <laughs> It literally is. So if I actually do that, you will find a link in the show notes for this episode. Thanks to everybody who I met at BravoCon. There's more Bravo content coming. Um, but Dame, just a couple of dames here in your palace in, in Los Angeles. I mean, thank you for being here with me. Um, just a total delight. And uh, we'll talk about boys as we finish recording. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.